Hello, welcome to the Fancy Scientist podcast. On today's episode, I am going to start to summarize some informal research that I did. About two months ago, I put out a call on my social media asking for people who were aspiring to be in this field or they were looking for jobs. I was targeting more entry-level people, but I ended up getting some people from different areas of wildlife biology. But anyways, I was looking for people who wanted to go into this career, and I was totally overwhelmed by the response. I got so many messages, so many people dropping emojis. That's what I said. If you want to participate, drop an emoji, and I'll contact you, and I am so grateful for all of those people. So this podcast is the start of at least two, maybe several, about what I found out from those research interviews. And like I said, it was informal research, so this is just a very coarse analysis, just a very coarse summary. I didn't do anything official by any means, but I wanted to get this out there faster, so I decided to do this podcast episode about it. So in today's episode, we're going to focus on one of the answers, just one of the answers, because I think there's enough to talk about, about the central question. So I mostly asked people, or the main question that I asked people is, is what is the biggest struggle you have in regard to this career? And we got quite a few different answers. I will go over those in the next podcast. But like I said, in this first episode, I want to go over the biggest struggle, the the the, or the struggle that people most frequently stated and uh, variations of that struggle, what it means for you if you're interested in going into this career and end up with some tips that I have on help, helping you navigate this struggle. So let's get in to starting to analyze this survey data. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Before we get into the results, I want to talk just a little bit about some of the biases with data, with the methods that I use, because I think it's really important so people don't freak out. I give you advice on this podcast because I want you guys to be really competitive. What I went through in my experience is just basically that I wasn't prepared for the job market out there. And I was... uh, I was taught the way I was trained was to be like an academic and I didn't want a career in academia. So my goal is not to scare you. I don't want to scare you at all. I want to prepare you. So use this information to help you, especially if you are early on in your career. And early can be even in graduate school. It doesn't have to be like your beginning semester of college. There's there's so much time for you to get experience or whatever it is you need. So don't freak out. 
And the biases that I want to talk about with the with these data are that so I did a call asking for people who were aspiring to be in this career. So a lot of people were people who graduated with their bachelors and they didn't get a job yet. And it's more likely just based on my experience with with survey results and just what I know about polling people is that when you have this open call, you are more likely going to get responses from people who are more frustrated. They have more of a negative experience. It's kind of like if you think about like leaving a review, like I used to, like we used to do the, God, what's, why can't I think of it? The food review. I can't remember the app's name anymore, but I would read through that app and Yelp, Yelp reviews. And I mean, it's the same thing with Amazon too, is you don't want to read the five-star reviews and you don't want to read the one-star reviews because because if you have a really good experience, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I love this restaurant or I love this product and you're going to leave it. Whereas and, and if you have a really bad experience, you're going to be so mad, so frustrated that you're going to leave a bad review. So people always say like read the three, four star reviews. Those are the ones that are most reflective, likely reflective of the experience. So the answers that I got today are not necessarily reflective. That's really important to understand. They are the people who were honestly probably more frustrated and they probably wanted some help, wanted some insight, wanted somebody to talk to. So it's going to be biased more negatively. So take that information, tuck that into the back of your pocket. I don't know why I said that, but that's a new phrase for me. Put it in the back of your pocket, put it in the back of your brain when you are listening to the rest of this podcast because there are you know there's negative results there's some some interesting stuff in here and some of it is alarming and this was actually really helpful for me to go through this practice because I had my own experience going through this whole situation of graduating with my PhD and looking for a job and just struggling just way way more than I ever imagined I didn't think I was going to struggle at all and I knew this from my friends too they were in a similar situation in people I met later on in my lab and stuff. So it was really nice to, and well, in some ways it was nice to hear that this wasn't just, you know, like my experience. And unfortunately it's happening to a lot of different people, but again, there is negativity bias in here. So I just want you to keep that in mind. And another thing I want to say is if you really want to do this career, don't let this information deter you. If this is a career for you, go for it. I used to want to be an actress and the odds are totally against you when you think about like, you know, making it as a celebrity or whatever. But lots of people make acting work for them. And yes, you might have to do things like wait tables and blah, blah, blah. But if it's something you really want to do, this is your life. This is your dream. So don't just give up because you hear some bad things happen to bad people. And at the end, I'm going to give you some tips about how to um, overcome these scenarios if it is happening to you. Okay, so for the question, what is your biggest struggle in relation to this career? By far, the the most frequently cited answer was some variation of can't find a job. 
And I did talk to people at all different levels. It, the data or the, the surveys mostly came from people who graduated with their bachelor's degree. I have people who were in college, people before they even started college, people in master's, graduated from master's, several people in their PhD, not as many, and some people who graduated with their PhD or in postdocs. And a couple of people who've been in this field for for a while. So this this came up at all different job levels, but it's biased towards people or it's more heavily weighted towards people who graduated from college with a bachelor's degree. So out of the responses, I think I did 90 interviews. Let me get the exact number here. Um... Sorry, I should have this up. Okay, market research calls. I did 88 interviews total. Okay, so I did 88 interviews. And out of those, 35 people said some variation of they can't find a job. Somebody described it this way. They felt stuck when they were going to college and now that they're out of college, they feel stuck again. They just feel like they don't aren't making any progress. This was kind of a, a familiar sentiment said amongst people, this, this feeling of feeling stuck. And we'll get more into that. And I just want to go over like the different variations of this answer and just look at it more in depth. So... Some people, they had, you know, the whole like they can't get a job at all and we'll go into that. Some people couldn't find a job that they wanted. So maybe they are qualified to get jobs. Maybe they are able to get those like really entry level positions. I had a couple of people talk about how they were able to get like internships after they graduated, but in terms of like the full-time permanent positions, this is really what people are talking about, that they felt like they couldn't get that. And again, we're seeing this both at the bachelor's level and the master's level. I interviewed Rebecca Mowry. She has a master's degree. I interviewed her in a podcast episode. She works in big game wildlife biology for the Montana State Agency. And she and I went to graduate school. She's a master, she graduated with a master's degree. And she had to work, I believe, three years of temporary positions afterward in order for her to get her full-time permanent job. So a lot of people are experienced in this. So what's going on? Well, obviously a major reason is that there's not necessarily fewer jobs, but there's more applicants out there. So there are trends that this field is increasing. There are more jobs being added. And also another little bit of nugget to take in with this in terms of the bias is we're just coming out of COVID. So I did this May 2021. And the for here in North Carolina, the mask mandate was lifted probably around that time, maybe a little bit afterward. And, you know, things started opening up again. So we did have about a good year and a half where 
there probably weren't a lot of jobs just to do to COVID alone. So this might be extra negative for that reason. But the main driver of this is is likely the high competition. And I talked to somebody who has been in this field for a while, and they were telling me that the way that they got their first job is that they went to a conference, they had their CV printed out, and they made business cards, and they ended up getting a job that week. Nowadays, that's kind of like maybe not unheard of, but it's it's pretty irregular for for that to happen. So there's going to be more that you need to do in order to get that permanent job. Lots of people just talked about being really frustrated that even with all of this experience, and I can certainly understand that at the master's level, I felt the same way at the PhD level, that it still wasn't enough to get a proper job. So even though you have the specialized degree, you have all these years of work experience. I mean, for me, I had my PhD and I had several years of postdoc experience. And before my PhD, I had internships. And yeah, it's just really frustrating to realize like, okay, I did this whole thing and now it's still not enough. Someone talked about how little they were prepared for this in college, and I'm going to go more into this next week, but basically, and this is something I reiterate a lot of times in this podcast and other stuff, that college didn't really prepare for them, prepare them for this in terms of how competitive this career was and what kinds of positions are available. A lot of people stress about the degree. And actually last night I did an Instagram, Facebook Live, and one person's concern was about their declining knowledge. They got their degree in 2019. And, you know, when you're just out of school and stuff and you're not using it every day, you feel like you forget stuff. And so they were worried about not having that information, not not like or losing that information to make them competitive for jobs. But really, your degree is is just a check mark. And there's so much more that goes into your degree or that goes into being competitive for jobs than just your degree. And again, I I I agree with the statement that they don't they didn't tell us this in graduate school either. I don't think the professors honestly know that much about the different job positions out there, especially now with a changing landscape. So people felt like they they weren't prepared. Somebody talked about that in addition to just being frustrated that you can't get a job, that a couple of people actually talked about this, that they can't they're not using their degree. I talked to several people who are just in like service industry positions like fast food or waiting tables because they can't get a job. So they worked so hard to get this degree and now they can't get that that first job or that first permanent position. So that has been understandably so frustrating for them. And then just people also talked about being given a chance as well. Like somebody said they, they understand that it's so competitive, but they have this great experience and that 
if they could just get that interview, like if people could just get, just get the chance to know them, then they feel they could do really well in the interview and get the job. And a lot of these candidates or a lot of these graduates, people searching for jobs, so I guess they're candidates too. They talked about like doing everything right. And that's how I felt. I felt exactly that way. Like, like I did everything right. I got the PhD. I got great experience. My advisors recommended me. I was in great labs, all this stuff, all these check marks. You did it right. So what's wrong? Why aren't you able to get a job? And in this case, it was always one more person who had more experience. So at the end, I'm going to talk a little bit about how that is my number one tip that that happened to me as well so the more you can figure out what you want to do the better so you can get that exact experience so some other ways that people aren't ain't aren't able to get jobs that that people talked about is that some jobs are not advertised they so they so it's not that they like couldn't get a job interview but they couldn't actually find the job so they were internally distributed and they're not part of the right networks or they're not part of that organization so therefore they can't find those jobs also a lot of people talked about jobs being internally hired so and I've heard stories about this as well there are either positions like created for somebody in mind and legally they have to advertise to you know the country or the world and post the position but they already know who they are going to hire and one of the ways that you can spot jobs like that it's hard to do but if it's like really really specific like the qualifications are super specific so the jobs are out there but you they just don't have the chance to get at it. They're just not qual or they're just not competitive because the organization already knows who they're going to hire. So this is why it is so important to work on your network. And I plan to have future episodes about the importance of networking and some of my tips for networking. I teach networking in my program. I think it is so, so important. So many people talk about how they get jobs from who they know. And with networking, it's not, we're not just talking about in-person networking, but online networking is so important too. Lots of people talked about not that they can't get jobs, but they can't get permanent jobs. After people graduated from college, they were able to get the internships, they were able to get these seasonal positions, but the problem with seasonal positions is that they are temporary. A lot of these positions last only a summer. So if you think about here in North America and the United States, lots of wildlife is very active during the summer months. And yeah, some species are only active during the spring, summer, maybe a little bit of fall. So that's not uncommon to have positions that are just four months long. And it can be incredibly challenging to try to piece together these different positions. In fact, a couple of people specifically mentioned that, that that was their biggest struggle, that that they had work and they were able to find work, but it was really about piecing these positions together in a way that allowed them to be financially stable. 
another challenge that can come with this is that unless you live in a real like wildlife hotspot area, not even necessarily a big city because maybe these these jobs aren't necessarily available in big cities if they're really dependent on field work, it can be um, hard to find these jobs all in the same area. And then again, you're going to have to move and moving is financially expensive. A lot of these temporary jobs, they don't pay much. And then another thing with these jobs is because they're not permanent or full-time positions, they don't have to pay things like health care or things like that. So it's really, it's really not a good financial situation. So this was another challenge that not necessarily that people couldn't find jobs, but they couldn't find permanent jobs. And as entry-level applicants, all they could get was were those short-time temporary jobs. The unfortunate part of this, too, is maybe you're thinking, oh, these seasonal temporary positions, they're not really well, they're really not really, well, good-paying jobs, so maybe they're, they're easier to get. Not necessarily. I talked to someone who was very competitive for this job in another country. They had a lot of experience doing field work in that country. And the employers told them basically that they were a shoe in for this position. And this position only paid $6,000 for the entire year, US dollars. And at the last minute, a bunch of people who had their PhDs applied for this job and it went to one of them. So, so, I mean, honestly, that that story was kind of mind-blowing to me that this is the state of affairs. But that being said, it was in the country where there's a lot of cool wildlife work. So you do have to add that in that not all jobs will be that competitive. But it just really is amazing that, that that's what's going on right now. So even if a position doesn't pay a lot, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a op- lot of applicants for it. Another person just talked about the financial troubles of these seasonal positions and just how difficult it is to make it financially. They said they were on a stipend and they had to be on food stamps and they're doing all this manual labor for like eight, hours a day and you know they have they have a college degree in in this field so somebody else talked about this was kind of my experience too going to school for seven eight years and it doesn't feel like you got anything out of it and like I said you feel like you did everything right and then you're kind of surprised when when you get out and you can't get the job you want. I actually talked to someone who has, who had their PhD and they were really frustrated because they were in like an entry level position. They actually, I think they took an internship or they were going to take an internship, but basically the the level of the job that they were at was way below their their pay grade given that they had a PhD. And this was specifically in the government sector. So you can tell your pay grade because they sp- explicitly say it due to education and experience. This was my experience as well on the job market when I applied for jobs and just some of the jobs at um, – 
the museum I worked at for positions that formerly had people in with master's degree were now going to PhDs, but the pay level was not increasing at all. So the organizations were getting PhD level candidates or more than PhD because they had postdoc experience, but they weren't paying them more given all the years of extra experience that they had. A couple of other influences with the competitiveness, something here to consider in the United States is the government as well. So with changes in administration, there are there's different availability of jobs. So we just had a change of um, presidents here in the United States. And I talked to a lot of people who felt that things were getting better now that there was a different president. The president that we have currently really values science and with more money going into the federal budget for um, conservation, wildlife, and science in general, the more jobs that we'll have. And I remember in graduate school, we had a similar situation where we we saw the decline of government jobs because of who was in the administration. And this also can vary a lot by your states too because so much, well, actually the, the states manage wildlife in the United States. Yes, there's the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, but when it really comes to on the ground management, it is the states that are responsible. So if you have change over in in parties and people for your state level government, you might see some availability of jobs as well. So the the seemingly decrease or the decrease of COVID cases and things reopening up combined with this administration change did make people hopeful and they are starting to see that there are jobs more there are more jobs available with this not being able to find the right job what what else coincided with that is people specifically talked about networking at least three people mentioned that they didn't feel like they had the right network to be able to get them to the job and that was really what was holding them back some people talked about not having the right skills the right experience And a couple of people really specifically talked about like how do you stand out in a sea of applications? And actually I loved that phrase that I did uh, a Facebook Live on that. And I I said I wasn't going to upload it, but I actually am going to upload it. So I'm going to go back and do that. I'm going to try to get that done this week for you guys. But how to stand out in a sea of application Another person said how to stand out in a stack of applications, like 100 deep. How do you stand out? And this is not a hyperbole. This is truth. 100 applications for some jobs is not an exaggeration. And I talked to somebody who was actually struggling to find a job they they left their they left the the field a little bit to do some some different type of work still within wildlife biology but a little bit different and now they're trying to re-enter into a permanent position again but they have like they had decades of experience so they're looking for those higher tier positions and they described what was going on is it felt like the pyramid of jobs was like really really narrow at the top so you have this base of like lots of jobs and those are the seasonal jobs the tech jobs they're not permanent and then 
honestly, I didn't feel like there were lots of entry-level jobs. So maybe there's a huge base of like seasonal positions. And then my, I don't know, my experience was like there were all these like entry-level internship jobs and then there would be like these super experienced jobs and kind of like nothing in between. But they were saying even at the top, those jobs are few and far between. But something else I wanted to mention that they said is that they were on the other side of, of the, the job search in that they were formerly responsible for hiring people at their job. And they really reiterated this, this point that people are feeling like they did everything right and they can't get the job. They're like somebody who's a little bit more competitive or a little bit more experienced that like edges them out. And they were really, they were really solidifying this and saying that's true, that they had like great applicants and even the applicants, like, like once you get to the interview stage, a lot of times people will say it's really not about your experience. It's more about your personality and who they see themselves working with. And this person was just talking about how even at the interview stage, like these applicants interviewed really well. And like sometimes it was just like such a tough call because like both applicants would have been great. So if you do get rejected, just know that you are in a really competitive environment and don't take it personally. I have a whole blog post on rejection, so I'll link that up into the show notes. It's just part of science. Don't take it personally. And sometimes it works out best for you. Actually, I believe it always works out best for you. It led me to my path that I am so happy doing this So anyway, yeah, like people really struggled with, okay, like I have the experience, I have the the credentials, I have the degree, how can I stand out? So my tip in terms of figuring this all out with you're applying for jobs and you're not getting any bites is to really see if like you can figure out what it is about you that is not getting the bites. I explain in my book, I actually explain this in depth, in my book, Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology, that once I changed my strategy for going after jobs, I had a really high success rate for interviews. When I first started applying for jobs, I applied to like any job I was somewhat qualified for because they tell you that a job is job requirements are like a wish list and they're not expecting to get somebody who meet all those requirements and they tell you that women tend to undervalue themselves so like men will apply for a job if they meet 60 percent of the requirements whereas women will apply for a job if they meet like 90 or 95 percent so i use this strategy of like 60 percent and above but that got me nowhere i only got interviews for jobs where i was meeting the 85, 90, 95%, 100%. So I switched my strategy and really invested my time into choosing the jobs that I was most qualified for. That means if you're applying for jobs, make sure you're qualified for them. Make sure you have the experience that they are asking for. And I see in on the wildlife Facebook groups all the time, people talking about that they applied for like 400 jobs in a year or hundreds of jobs in a year. You're not qualified for all those jobs, at least with this, or maybe you're qualified, but with this competitive job market, 
you're you're not gonna get called for those jobs there's just no way that you have that level of experience and quite honestly if you're doing that many job applications your job applications aren't probably that great your cover letters aren't probably that great so that is not a strategy that I recommend so you can figure so use this to like help you figure out exactly what's going on so are you applying for the right job do you have the right experience if not can you get that experience somehow do you have the right education? A lot of people just talked about that they wanted to get master's degrees. Well, will master's degrees get you the job that you want? They might actually. I actually think there's a lot more jobs available to you when you get your master's degree. So that absolutely could be a great decision. But don't just willy-nilly get your master's degree especially with these online programs. I see people posting about spending, I've seen 30,000, 50,000 for these non-thesis master's programs. And if you wanna go into science or research, non-thesis master's is not gonna do anything for you. It might do stuff for you in other careers, but not the research career. So make sure that the degrees that you're looking in into will actually help you get the job. And does the job pay enough for it for you to be for it to be worth that fifty thousand dollars? I recently did an episode with Dr. Emily Roberts, who advises graduate students on their finances, and we talked all about finances. And so you can refer to that episode for some more financial advice. She is great. Another thing, so I talked about education, yeah, as well. Are you? Do you have the right education? And are you, is your resume and cover letters are they good? So a lot of people talked about applying to all these jobs and not getting any bites. And I asked people for their resumes, and there's definitely quite a few. Almost all of the people out there that I asked, they could use a lot of improvement on their resume and cover letter. And I don't mean that their resume or cover letter is bad. It's just more that when I was talking to them, that I was able to flush out things that they did not realize they were doing in their jobs to put on their resume, which as an employer, I've been an employer before, that employers would find desirable. I did this resume and cover letter course, a job application course back in, I think, April. And I gave away some free one-on-one sessions where people went through the course and they improved their resume. And even after that, talking to, they made huge improvements on the resumes, but talking to them afterward, they were able to improve their resume so, so, so much more from talking to me because they just couldn't see in themselves what I knew that they had and also what I know that employers find attractive. So if this is something that you struggle with, you're not sure if your resume is good, your cover letter is good, you can go ahead and contact me and send me it and I can take a, I'm happy to take a glance at it and give you um, some feedback and let you know what I Cover letters, most people are not good at writing cover letters either. They have to be very detailed and they have to give specific examples of of how you did that qualification that they're looking for. Like what's an experience that you have to back up that qualification? 
so many people just repeat their resumes and it's not it's just not good enough in this competitive job. And then the other thing you can look at too is your network. As I mentioned before, so many jobs come about from who you know. So is there something that you can do to improve your network? What can you do to improve your networking skills? As I mentioned before, I'm going to try to get some tips out there for you guys on networking. But in the meantime, if you're struggling, if you need some help, just feel free to reach out to me. I did these research calls. I am so happy to hop on a call with you and just help you problem solve where you're stuck with or give you some insight into where maybe I think you are perhaps falling a little bit short and and if you could tweak something to get that job and it might not be something that you need to go back to school for or get additional experience for it might just be improving your resume improving your cover Okay, so that's it for just the first thing that people talked about with their biggest struggle. And next week, I think we'll talk about the rest of them. I think I can put them all maybe into one episode and we'll talk about the number two. There's a a big number one, there's a big number two, and the rest, there's lots of bunch of little other ones. But we'll talk about the rest of the results and then we might need another podcast episode to go over some more results, but I think we can do it to. So thank you guys so much for listening. It has been so great to do these research calls, honestly, because I feel like I'm just talking into like a blank void here. And, you know, I send things out into the world and you see the number of downloads you get and stuff like that, but you just don't realize that it's it's reaching real people sometimes because you just kind of like get caught up with the numbers or I don't know, you just, your eyes just glaze over it. So to do these research interviews has been so, so awesome because I've been talking to you guys and hearing your feedback about the podcast and YouTube videos. And it just, it just makes makes me so happy to know that I can help you guys. It really, really does. I am so appreciative of anything nice that you have to say about my podcast, my book, my YouTube. It just really makes me feel good. So don't ever hesitate to reach out if you are struggling or if you just want to say thank you. I appreciate you guys so, so much. So I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other too. Catch you in the next podcast episode. Bye. If you like this episode, care about wildlife, care about conservation, or know somebody who is interested in going into wildlife biology careers, please share this episode. You can also rate and review my podcast that really helps people find it. My goal is to spread messages of conservation and kindness for wildlife and to help people navigate wildlife biology careers. Rating and reviewing my podcast really helps other people find it. If you have questions or show ideas, you can find me at fancyscientist.com. My social media handles are at fancyscientist. On Instagram, there's an underscore between fancy and scientist. You can also send an email to hello at fancyscientist.com.
If you're an aspiring wildlife biologist, ecologist, or zoologist, you can join me every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Facebook Live, where I answer different career questions. You can also ask me questions on the spot. I'm here for you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I am so grateful for you. I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other.